But the reality is, what I love about the Bible, it also states that love your neighbor as you love yourself. I love that, right? I love that because we have to love ourselves first. If we don't love ourselves well, how can we love our neighbors well? Welcome to the 30 Second Book Club podcast, a place for people who want to read more books and be in a book club but don't have time to do either. No, just stay warm under the covers. Multiple layers, definitely, with how cold it is everywhere right now. As you enjoy Marsha Dusil's devotional, she's going to talk about her book called To Inspire, 52 Life-Changing Questions. Well, you know, I started called uh, 13 years ago, called magazine, and it was it was kind of I I, I use the I use the term accidental pregnancy. Like that was not the plan. <laughs> that was not the plan. I had gone to school. I got three degrees, all policy related. Worked for politicians, and then the Lord plants in my spirit a magazine for Christian women. It was it was really was. Um, and I did not anticipate. It was an unanticipated calling. And in in many ways, what I wanted to do was to put together a book, a devotional book for women who are looking for, to, you know, looking for the courage and or the insight um, to figure out what they're called to do. And oftentimes it's something that's going to be maybe unexpected, or if it was something that you already felt in your spirit, you may have felt as though you were unprepared for this thing. And so that was the, that was the goal. The goal was to put together this resource that could kind of guide women through the process of not only discovering their calling, but actually carrying it out. So thus was the birth of called to inspire, to inspire women to move forward with the calling on their lives. Marsha, I know I'm not the only one that struggles with being a people pleaser. So how do we get past that? Absolutely. It's tough, you know, especially I think when you fall into, uh, I think it's natural, even if you're not a believer, you want to be liked. People typically want to be liked. And sometimes particularly for the book is written for women. So please pardon me if I keep bringing this back to women. We have this good girl syndrome, you know, this good Christian girl syndrome. And, and, and a part of that is we often try to um, please and be approved by a variety of people, by various people. But that doesn't mean that we don't want to be, we don't want to be liked. Of course we want to be liked, but we have to remember that if we're constantly adjusting and changing for a particular person or a particular audience, there will be no stability in our lives. And the reality is, though we want to love everyone, right? Our goal as believers is to please one, and his name is Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. And the, the reality is, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will end up pleasing the right people anyway, right? And even when we don't please them, the Lord will have a purpose in our obedience to him. And I think that, you know, it goes back to, my pastor often says, keep your eyes on Jesus. He likes to say that. And it's absolutely true, right? We have to get to the place where we don't even live our lives centered on pleasing ourselves because sometimes the Lord will ask us to do things that initially, or even throughout the process, we're like, gosh, Lord, why? Why me? Why that? And we have to remember that ultimately God has a perfect plan for our lives. If we are called according to his purpose. He has a plan for our lives. And people pleasing can make us quite miserable, right? If you're having to to change with every wind based on what someone thinks of you or or what they desire of you or what their opinion is of what you should be doing in your life, you will be you will not be stable in any way, right? You'll be tossed in the wind. And so the Lord has called us to keep our eyes on him and to find that the only one who can really quench the thirst that we feel as individuals, that thirst for love, that thirst for approval, that thirst for direction, that thirst for affirmation, that is the Lord. He's the only one who will ever be able to fulfill that, that need and that desire within us. I don't know why even during COVID, Marsha, I've had an issue with this. I know a lot of moms are having problems with this too, that you know, we just don't have time to find rest. So how do we make 
rest a priority. Yeah, we, that's just it. You have to just do it. You have to make rest a priority. I love the fact that the Bible states that God rested on the seventh day. You know, he's God in all his power and all his might. Do we really believe that the Lord needed to rest? Of course not. Of course he didn't need to rest. But I believe that the Lord put that in there, placed that in the Bible. He rested on that day just to set that example so that we can see that even in all of his strength and all of his might, right, and all of his power, he still rested. And so rest is going to have to be something that we just recognize and that we prioritize. There will be so many things in our lives that we don't really have an inclination to do, but we have to do them anyway, right? Um, and we have to do it before our bodies, our bodies start to shut down without our permission. And so I, I love that in the Bible, it talks about God resting, resting on the seventh day. We all know that God does not need rest. He is all powerful, but he did that to, to send us a message that even in all of the work that we're doing, God is not anti-work, right? Clearly not, right? And all of the work that he has, all of the good and all of the work that he does, God still prioritized rest and we have to do the same. It's going to be a choice, ladies. You know, we will always feel as though we have to keep going and being everything to everyone. But the reality is what I love about the Bible, it also states that love your neighbor as you love yourself. I love that. Right. I love that because we have to love ourselves first. If we don't love ourselves well, how can we love our neighbors well? And so let us love our families, love our jobs, love our ministries, love our neighbors, love our children as much as we can love ourselves and as much as we do love ourselves, which means that love, rest is a part of love, right? Our bodies need rest. Rest will be a part of love. I think we've all come up with excuses in our lives saying, God, you know, I can't do X, Y, or Z because I don't have the capacity. You talk about that in your devotional. You know, the Bible teaches that God gets all the glory, right? Mm. We're supposed to, we're supposed to shine so that glory will be shined upon the Lord. We are here to glorify God. And if we have all the resources, all the strength, all the capabilities that, that, that are needed, how will God get any of the glory, right? I don't know about you, but I'm never inspired by someone who seems to have always lived a perfect life. You're like, well, great. They should have accomplished that because <laughs> everything in their lives were perfect, you know? And the, the most inspiring stories are going to be the stories of people who had some level of struggle, right? Someone who was a over, an overcomer. And that's what we're called to be. We're called to be overcomers, not because God wants to see us suffer. Of course not. The Lord loves us. But because there is inspiration and glory on the other side of it, you know, we should be able to look at our lives and say, my God, look what you did in my life. My God, look what you brought me through. And then other people are supposed to look at our lives and our accomplishments and be able to say, wow, look at God. You know, the, the goal is not for us to look great. The goal is that we are a light that shines and reflects God's glory. And the reason why the Lord loves to use the Davids of the world, right? The runts, you know, I love the story of David because, you know, the prophet goes to, Samuel goes to David's father and asks, is this, are these all of your sons? His father didn't even think, <laughs> didn't even think to bring David to be crowned or even considered to be crowned. He was like, oh, you mean the runt? I believe that's said in the message translation, the message. <laughs> and, um, and I love that, that translation. Um, oh, you mean the runt? Yes, the runt of the litter, the one who is the smallest, the one everyone overlooks. That's the one that the Lord chooses to use. Why? Because he's able to get the most glory when we are unqualified. And so instead of looking at ourselves as being unworthy, we have to remember that it's not our might. 
our intellect or our abilities that qualify us. It's our heart, right? The Bible says that God looks at the heart. Man looks at outside appearances, but God looks at the heart. And he will take anyone from anywhere and use anything to get his work done. Why? Because at the end of all of that, he will get all the glory. So we've all read the story about the Proverbs 31 woman, but you say in your book that people often overlook her strongest trait. What is that? This woman was a disciplined woman, right? This was not a woman who, you know, was just doing things or, or inconsistent. The Bible talks about how disciplined she was. Even before her servants or her, fam- or her family were up, was up, this woman was up before all of them, uh, adhering to this routine that she had created. And she was extraordinarily disciplined and accomplished, which is very interesting. Um, and so I think a lot of the times we believe that God is going to just give us everything, you know, like God is going to just give us gifts, right? And I think when it comes back, and he does, he, he gives us each an allotment. I love when the Bible says this. He gave each one, the master gave each one according to their ability, right? Their ability to do what? Their ability to deliver. And oftentimes, God, same, just like the master in the Bible, God will give us an allotment, right? An allotment of gifts, an allotment of resources, and they may initially be very small, but it is our job to, uh, it's our jobs to apply discipline and work those things. And what we overlook with the Proverbs 31 woman was this woman was extraordinarily disciplined, right? She was extraordinarily disciplined. And that doesn't mean that she didn't rest people, right? We look at the Proverbs 31 woman and we're like, oh my goodness, look at all that she's accomplished. That doesn't mean that she did not rest, nor does it mean that she did everything at the same time. We go through seasons and there's another chapter in Call to Inspire about seasons of our lives. You know, oftentimes we can have every desire of our hearts, but we can't have them all at the same time. And so whatever it is that the Lord has given us in in a particular season, we have to be disciplined about that thing in order to get results. I remember I I had interviewed uh, Joyce Meyer years ago, maybe 10 years ago, I think it was 10 years ago for Calls Magazine. And she said something I'll I'll never forget. She said, um, people want what I have but they're not willing to do what I had to do to get it. And I'll never forget that. People want what I have, but they're not willing to do what I had to do to get it. A part of what makes the Proverbs 31 31 woman so phenomenal was her discipline. And that's something that we want to become. We want to become a disciplined people where we're not just people who hope and we wish, right? Nor are we people who start things and we don't finish it. Nor are we people who dream but have no work behind it. We want to become a people of discipline. And I, I have found that that's often the character trait that we overlook when we're assessing how wonderful the Proverbs, Proverbs 31 woman was. Here's another thing that uh, um, you show the stats in uh, What Do You Really Want, uh, number 26, that um, <laughs> women, men are more, four times more likely to ask for a raise. Um, mm-hmm. Women are just not, not usually willing to actually what, say what they want to say, ask what they want to ask. So you know, what do you, how, do, how do you get over that? How do you get past that? Wow, that's tough. I think it takes work, right? It will be it will be so easy to say, you know, we just have to be bold because, you know, the, the Lord calls us. No, it doesn't work like that. You know, we have to work through that. I also think um, there's there's an art that I have not quite yet mastered that I'm still working on where we get to the place where we can ask for what we want in the right way, right? And so um, where it, 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 our, our boldness can be 
can be enveloped in, 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 in uh, grace, right? Both can happen simultaneously. But yes, I love that statistic. It states that men are more likely to ask for a raise. That's one of the many reasons that uh, women typically make less than men. Of course, we, there are other systemic issues, and we don't want to ignore that. But in many cases, another element is that women are not willing to ask for the raise. And when they do ask for the raise, they ask for less, right? And so I think that's an issue of um, we need to understand that we have permission to recognize our worth, right? You know, humility is not insecurity. Humility is not insecurity. In fact, I like meekness even better because meekness is power under control. And we as women, we have to realize that and recognize and embrace that we have been called to be powerful, right? Having grace and, and being meek does not mean that we are weak, right? Does not mean that we are weak, nor does it mean that we have to cover our light and be bashful about the gifts that the Lord has given us and the gifts that we have developed. We can go boldly before the throne of God, but we can also go boldly in business and in ministry and in our professions. And we can, we can, we can ask, we can ask for the things that we want. In that particular devotional, it's not only about asking for what we want financially. It's also about asking for what we want in life. If you're single and you want a husband, if you want to be married, you do not have to pretend that you do not want to be married. You don't have to pretend that you are content being single. You can say, no, you know, what I really would like to do, what's really on my heart is that I really would like to be married. I'd like to be a wife. Maybe I'd like to be a mother. And you never know just by vocalizing that, just by sharing that, someone might say, you know what? I have a friend who might be perfect for you. So we actually limit our opportunities when we don't ask for what we want and when we don't admit the things that we desire in our lives. And it's okay for us to do that. Sometimes we do that out of fear, right? Sometimes we say, I shouldn't admit that I, that I want a child or that I want to be married or I want to start a business or I want to launch a ministry because what happens if that does not occur? We have to overcome that. That's going to be very difficult and decide that if I'm going to open the gateway for these things to flood into my life, I have to make it known so that when certain opportunities present themselves, people think of me. They will come to me because I already stated that this is something that I welcome in my life. So we just have to really start to trust the Lord with our desires. The Bible says that the Lord will give us all the desires of our hearts. He will give us the desires of our hearts. Another translation of the Bible um, for another scripture says that the Lord delights in every detail of our lives. That's in the New Living Translation. Love the New Living Translation. Tyndale House Publishers is a little plug. Uh, we, I, we used, I use mostly the New Living Translation in the Bible, which is published by Tyndale House Publishers. But that scripture is that the Lord delights in every detail of our lives. Every detail includes the details that we kind of don't want to share because we're afraid that, that those details won't happen. That, that little detail where you think, oh, how insignificant is it that I want to be a mother? How insignificant is it that I want to be a wife? These are not things that I really need to involve the Lord in or I shouldn't necessarily freely share. And that's, that, that chapter, that particular devotional is saying that, listen, not only should we ask for what we want, but we should believe that the Lord will grant us what we want and, and be confident in that thing. Now, in the time of social distancing, Marsha, a lot of people are talking to themselves because they have no one else to talk to. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, yes. let's just be honest, right? Yes. Uh, yes. But you, you actually, in one of, your, one of the devotions, how do you talk to yourself? You say that that is actually a good thing and it's biblical. 
Yes, absolutely. It is biblical, you know, and we have to, you know, the, we have to talk to ourselves because if we don't talk to ourselves, the devil will talk to us. And, and, and not only do we talk to ourselves, we have to talk to ourselves using scripture. You know, we remind ourselves that I am beautifully and wonderfully made when we start to feel insecure, we feel as though we're inadequate. We talk to ourselves when it's time for us to be bold and ask for a raise that we have earned and we deserve, you know, we could, we could, we could be confident in that. And so it is very important. What I love is, you know, David encouraged himself in the Lord. The Bible talks about how David was depressed. He was down. Um, many of us have, sometimes are down, especially during these difficult times. And we can also encourage ourselves in the Lord. That doesn't mean friends and family won't encourage us. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit ministering to us. That doesn't mean that won't happen, but that it just means that we can also encourage ourselves, just like David encouraged himself in the Lord. We can encourage ourselves in the Lord, you know, and there are many, many research studies, actually, and I, I love in, the, in, in Call to Inspire, because my background was more policy and, and academic, I, I use a lot of studies throughout throughout the book. Um, there are many studies that have proven that self-talk has has many beneficial results. And so go ahead, talk to yourself, encourage yourself in the Lord and do it with grace and compassion the same way that you would give it to a friend, that you would give encouragement to a friend. Sometimes we are just so impatient with ourselves, so intolerant with ourselves, but we must encourage ourselves the same way that we, we would encourage a loved one or someone that we care about. So good. Uh, I think another thing that's a little tough during this time is finding joy. And that's why I really liked um, your 49th devotion number 49. <laughs> uh, talking about joy and it, how it isn't what we think it is. No, right? Joy is not this happy-go-lucky thing. If that were the case, well, goodness, I would never feel any joy. Can I tell you? I tell you. Because sometimes life circumstances are so tough, right? But we can find joy. And knowing that God has a calling on our lives, he has a purpose for every single thing in our lives, right? We can find joy in the hardship that we feel. Why? Because God is going to use that hardship in order to advance his kingdom in some way. Maybe we're going to inspire somebody else with that. Maybe it's going to build character within us. We can find joy in knowing that God has a plan for every single thing that we are experiencing. And so we could find joy in the Lord. That doesn't mean, you know, joy, that doesn't mean that everything will, everything will go as planned, right? That's not the way that the Lord works. And I, I wish he would work differently sometimes, right? I wish that he would work differently sometimes. But once again, it goes back to what we chatted about earlier. Where is the glory in that? Where is the purpose in that? Where is the inspiration in that if everything is just going so perfect in our lives? Who gets inspired by that? So we can find joy despite the storms that surround us because we know that we serve a God that will never abandon us. We serve a God who has a purpose for everything, that all things will work together for the good. All things will work together for our good and for the good of other people that we will encounter along our journey. And that is true joy. Um, it's not going to be that, that little, you know, happy go lucky feeling that we, we would like to have all the time. That doesn't mean that you'll be laughing and, and, and dancing all of the time, but it does mean that we can have joy in knowing that we have a purposeful life and we have an intentional God that will make it all worth it in the end. Amen. Marsha, it's so easy right now to look at all the problems in the world and in our life. And you talk about in your book also, you know, how, important being thankful is in, in gratitude. So how do we give thanks? 
it's interesting because I got the idea of this chapter. I was chatting with a girlfriend of mine who was just going through a really, really tough season. Um, you know, her, her husband was ill and she had just lost a, a great paying job. All the things that can really make a person down. And I said to her, well, let's try a gratitude list. I was that friend, you know, that friend that you don't really want to talk to when you're down because you just want <laughs> to complain. You're like, oh, Marcia, just let me complain. I was like, let's try a gratitude list. Let's just see how many things that we could come up with. Can we come up with 20 things? And she said, okay, Marcia. And then when I got off the phone with her, she continued her list and she had gotten to over a hundred things that she was thankful for. And what's even better is that this woman, my friend, literally less than a week later, she got a job that paid better than the job that she was depressed, at, depressed about. Um, and I believe um, that it was because she was grateful. And I think that we serve a God who has feelings. We are made in the image of God. He has feelings. The Bible says that at one point, God regretted the day that he made man. Can you imagine? Which means that man hurt his feelings, right? And we have to remember that God has feelings. And if we have a relationship with the Lord, where we can only enjoy his company when everything is going right, every time, you know, where he becomes an ATM machine to give us a slew of things, then what kind of relationship is that? Sometimes it's the best time to be grateful is not when you feel good about your life, but when you feel down, when you say, you know what, Lord, I thank you that my family is still living. I thank you, oh God, that we still have a roof over our head. I thank you, oh Lord, that I'm still able to do X, Y, Z, despite all the terrible things that are going, that seem to be going on in your life. And that doesn't mean that you still can't ask the Lord for, 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 what, for what you need, what your needs are. It just means that you have to be grateful. And the Bible says to come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart. I love that, right? Because it tells us how do we get closer to God? We get closer to God by coming into his presence with what? Thanksgiving, thanking him for what he's already done and even thanking him for what he will eventually do in the future. And so that's what that chapter is about, you know? And the, 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 even in our relationships with people, I've noticed that people get a lot more out of me when they're, when, when they're grateful for other things I've done for them already, where you don't, just think about us. Don't we get annoyed sometimes we're in our humanity and we're just like this ungrateful person, <laughs> you know? After all that I've done, you know? Listen to the way she's talking to me, you know? And so um, if we feel that in our humanity, we have to remember that we are made in the image of God, right? And he has feelings, you know, he has feelings. And so we can come into his presence. Not only the irony is that when we praise and we worship God, um, we're able to enter his presence. But the irony is as you praise and worship God, I have noticed for me, my spirit is uplifted. It's, it's strange. I could be crying, but the more I worship and I thank the Lord, I'm like, goodness, my life is not as bad as I thought it was. Look at all the things, <laughs> look at all the wonderful things that I just listed. It will remind you of how far the Lord has has taken you and how many times he's already helped you overcome grave circumstances and it will encourage you. You will be encouraged by the Thanksgiving list, so to speak. Got something a little different for you coming up next week. Uh, her name is Tiffany Johnson. And when she was a junior higher, she wrote a poem that her mom kept for years. And uh, just a little while ago, her mom said, hey, remember that poem that I kept? I think you're supposed to write a children's book with it. So she did. It's called My Shadow. She's going to talk about that journey, maybe a journey that you want to go on to, but about publishing a book and, and putting your art out there to, to glorify God. Uh, that's next week in the 30 Second Book Club podcast. And by the way, 
I don't ever really ask to do this, but everyone else does, so maybe uh, I should too. If you like it, be sure to um, share this podcast with other people and just leave a comment about what you like about it, uh, how it encourages you to encourage others, and five stars would be super awesome. So thank you so much for helping out and getting the word out.